Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Veena Jetty from Vive Funds. Welcome, Veena. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure, Veena. Thank you very much. And a little bit about Veena. Veena Jetty is the founding partner of Vive Funds, a unique commercial real estate firm that specializes in curating conservative opportunities for investors. Veena brings a dynamic perspective to targeting, acquiring, managing, and operating assets using best practices combined with cutting-edge technologies. Her professional expertise includes driving corporate strategy and business development opportunities. So with that, Veena, you want to add anything to your background? Yeah, I we focus on class B value add assets. Right now our target markets are in the Sun Belt. We are very vanilla in terms of what we look for investment wise. We look for those classic class B and great locations, highly stabilized assets with a value add opportunity. Got it. Thank you. So how did you get into real estate and multifamily space, Vina? Yeah, so I actually come from a real estate family. My mom is a very successful real estate investor. Uh, she started investing when they first came, immigrated to this country. So I grew up in this space. And as I went through undergrad, I graduated with my degree in finance. And then I actually went to work at some of the largest real estate companies in the world. So I have a corporate background as well. Um, after we were in, the, I was in the corporate world, got married, paid taxes for the first time as a married couple and said, wait a second, what just happened? And so uh, we started looking for ways to maximize tax efficiency. And that's where we realized that being able to invest for ourselves was a highly tax efficient vehicle. And so that's how we really started investing in real estate for ourselves. And then in addition to that, once you are looking for that kind of scale, the best way to do that is through multifamily and it has the best return. Uh, so the best sharp ratio, right? So the best return for the least amount of relative risk. Yeah, got it. Thank you. And what, what is your investment philosophy, Vina? Yeah, so we actually go after those very down the fairway, you know, you'd almost call them boring investment opportunities. So we believe that the multifamily market has historically and will continue to remain strong uh, right now with inflation being as high as it is. In, income producing real estate is a very, very attractive hedge against inflation. So I think we'll continue to see some demand here in the coming year, year and a half. Also coupled with the tax code changes that are coming up in 2023, where bonus depreciation will go from 100% this year down to 80% and so on and so forth. Yeah, we, we believe it'll remain a very strong asset class as pricing becomes more and more expensive in the single family space. Uh, we're going to see more and more renters that are looking for adequate housing to meet their needs. Got it. And since you mentioned about inflation and those stuff, so what's your take on current market situation and how exactly you're planning for the, this uncertain situation? Yeah, you know, I think that I, I've said this for years now that 
affordable housing is really the next housing crisis that I think we're going to face. Because one of the big challenges that we're seeing is hedge funds and PE groups are buying single family homes at massive, massive rates. And the biggest issue isn't that they're just buying single family homes. It's which single family homes they're buying. They're buying the $200,000 to $500,000 priced home, which traditionally the vast majority of Americans hold the majority of their net worth in retirement in their primary home. So the question is what happens as younger millennials, Gen Z, uh, and the younger, the zillennials, right, the generation afterward, are unable to afford to buy housing, how are they going to build wealth? Because it'll have to be a different landscape than what we see in the future. So I think multifamily will remain strong because the single family market is so difficult for so many people to buy in right now. Interest rates are going up, but I think that it's going to remain a fruitful asset class for investors because there will always be a demand for residential housing, especially as single family is more and more unaffordable. Yeah, got it. So any take on cap rate expansion and also purchase prices? Yeah, so I think that we're already seeing a little bit of a softening in the market, not so much a softening as far as pricing necessarily goes but more so softening on terms. Uh, we're definitely starting to see more assets retrade quietly. Um, I think that you, naturally we know that cap rates and interest rates are about 60 to 70% correlated. So as interest rates go up, we naturally would expect there to be an increase in cap rates. And as interest rates come down, we would expect compression on cap rates. So the market is acting exactly kind of how we thought it would. And I think that we will still see, like I said, a strong demand this year and early next year. And then after that, I think we maybe will start seeing a little bit of a pullback, maybe not so much of a pricing correction as less competition or slightly increased cap rates. Got it. And uh, any takes on like lending side, bridge versus agency or you know, in LTVs? It's really interesting right now because on bridge debt, when you're buying down your rate cap, the cost of buying down a rate cap is more than I've ever seen historically, and which makes sense in a rising interest rate environment. The Fed has not been secretive about raising interest rates. And so it's almost getting to a point where I, I'm curious to see if it will make sense now to go for more fixed rate debt um, or longer term debt, maybe some of the more traditional Fannie and Freddie products available um, I wonder if we're kind of getting to that point in the market where that shift back to those type of debt products actually makes more sense, despite the prepayment penalties on either, you know, yield maintenance or defeasance. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And and also you're like very strong in uh, targeting and acquiring, managing and operating assets. So would you share like some best practices in operating assets? Yeah, th again, this is a very interesting time that we're in. So we're seeing uh, a need for much, much tighter cash management. Um, so we are managing cash flow tighter than we've ever managed it before. I think one of the things, it, there's always a struggle, especially when you're a fee manager, third party managed, because the priorities of a property manager and the priorities of an asset manager are just a little bit different, right? They're not completely aligned. And so I think having your 
you know, your ear on the ground and keeping eyes on the asset. We look and review our assets on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis so that if there's any type of shift against our pro forma, uh, we start to come in and intervene early on. We also, right now, I also think just from a management perspective, it makes sense to look into getting rid of contracts that you don't necessarily need uh, or renegotiating contracts where you can maybe have a little bit of cost savings. The, the nice thing about a dollar you save on the expense side is that dollar is a direct dollar to your NOI. If I save a dollar on my pool contract, it's a direct dollar that goes to my NOI. Whereas if I raise rent by that same dollar, I'm only going to get 60 cents of it or 50 cents, 60 cents, 70 cents of it to my bottom line because I have to take out expense expenses against that income. Yeah, got it. And totally makes sense. And also your group, you are uh, leveraging cutting edge technologies also. Would you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So we utilize a lot of AI technology, especially in the acquisition phase of our assets. Uh, we utilize smart pricing. We And even during operations, actually, we also utilize uh, rent optimization software that allows us to take and extrapolate thousands, millions of data points uh, so that we can price our assets and we can price our rents according to where we are in the market as of that moment. Uh, it allows us to really maximize the income and minimize the loss to lease on the asset. Uh, we also utilize AI as we're looking into predictive uh, numbers for the future. So on our pro formas, we aren't taking just a standard 3% increase on expenses. We're utilizing AI to give us much better numbers so that we can more accurately predict where the asset will go. Got it. Yeah. I mean, like you're using daily pricing for you know, leasing, right? So, yeah, it, exactly. Yes. And would you share any challenges in implementing this AI into multifamily space? I think really the biggest challenge is sometimes getting team members on board with it because it's new, it's cutting edge. And anytime there's something new, you'll find some resistance to it where somebody is a little bit more nervous or doesn't know how or doesn't want to onboard it. So I think that's always a challenge you have with any technology, not just AI, any technology or any change to the core fundamentals of the business. It can take some getting used to, but generally once team members kind of see the benefit and they see the result of it, I think everyone starts buying into it and everyone gets excited about using it because we pride ourselves on being a young company, a tech forward company, and we can't do that without adopting the latest tools available to us. Right. And so would you share like your company's business plan and exit criteria for your deals? Yeah. So it's funny because our exit criteria has been changing pretty steadily. Um, you know, we just exited an asset last week where we only held it for 18 months. And that is very unusual for our business model, but we were able to achieve a five-year pro forma in 18 months. And so our investors almost pretty much doubled their money in 18 months. So I, you know, I have to exit. I have a responsibility to our investors to take a bird in the hand versus two in the bush. 
So our exit criteria is generally going to be measured against where our pro forma numbers are and how close we are, what the IRR looks like, and make that decision based on where we think the market is and where it's going. Obviously, nobody has a crystal ball, so it's not always as easy as just saying, oh, yeah, the market's going to go down, so we should sell now. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And so I think occasionally, you know, we just hit strike while the iron's hot and we get lucky. But generally, we know that our assets are going to perform going in because we've underwritten them conservatively on the onset. Yeah, got it. That totally makes sense. And so would you share any any best multifamily investing experience so far? The best experience I've had? Well, I mean, it was actually very exciting for us to exit this last asset because our investors, they invested with us in the middle of COVID. Uh, We closed this asset in October of 2020. And they really took a leap of faith because at that time, there was no vaccine available. We didn't really know what the landscape of COVID was going to be like. We didn't know if there was going to be another COVID wave. We just, we had no idea. And so our limited partners really took a leap of faith alongside of us. They put their trust in us to perform for them. And we really were able to deliver, which is always my favorite part. But, uh, you know, it was just a really nice reward for the investors that believed in us during such uncertain times. Got it. Got it. Thank you. And would you also share any challenging or worst multifamily investing experience so far? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Every every day there's a new challenge. Um, right now, I would say the biggest challenge that we're facing is just everything is moving and shifting so quickly. It's almost like by the time we update one version of underwriting, it's already outdated and we're re-updating it. And by the time we update that, it's outdated. So it, it's been very tough sometimes to keep underwriting as accurate as possible. Now, the the tip I would give anybody that is looking to acquire right now is start out with the absolute most, 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 most conservative scenario so that as the scenarios are changing and as your underwriting is changing during the acquisition process, it's not making your numbers worse than where you projected them to investors. It's actually getting them closer to where you projected them to investors, but you still will be able to perform for them. Got it. Yeah. Uh, totally understand uh, your point. So yeah, every week now interest rates are going up and we know some other you <laughs> yep. know, assumptions. Yeah. Totally yep. Yeah. And w- w- what is your current focus? Vina? Um, so right now we're, we focus on 200 plus units, uh, 75 million and up in the Texas, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Arizona markets. Uh, we look for that class B value add play 19. We look at 1980s vintage and newer, but right now, late 80s, 90s, even early 2000s assets are pricing very similarly. So we've been tending to move toward a newer asset class. Got it. And any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Um, I think perseverance. Um, There have been a lot of challenging and unknown situations that have occurred in the last few years with COVID and then how that would affect real estate. I think just having that relentless will to continue operating and doing well has really done wonders for our investors. I also think that as a personal habit, and actually this is the one thing that our company focuses on at every turn, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, we are always, always, always focusing on how our limited partners are affected by any decision we make. And so 
I always tell newer investors, if you keep your LPs at the forefront of your decision-making process, it leads to a better relationship, a smoother transaction and longevity in your company. Got it. And share any one personal learning that has played a part in creating massive impact and powerful shifts in your own life. Well, I think that one thing I'm still learning, but I think I've improved on it a little bit, is just learning how to strike a work-life balance. Uh, We do so much in a day that sometimes it's easy to forget the reason why we do this. And for me, my why is my family and being able to control my time with them. And so I've gotten much better at carving out time, just like I would any other meeting for my family so that I can spend time with them. I can spend quality time with them. Got it. And uh, any books that impacted your life and what way? Yeah. So a recent book that I have started re- or have been reading is uh, Vivid Vision. It is a book about, it's actually not about multifamily or real estate. It's actually about business and how to really get everybody in your company to share the same vision and to really direct the goals of your company and get clarity around those. Got it. And how are you giving back to community? Yeah. So um, a fun tradition that we actually have at our company is every time we close a deal, uh, we let our investors choose a charitable organization of their choice. And we make a donation based on whichever one gets the most votes. So it's a way for our investors to participate with us. It's a way for us to give back to the community and celebrate a closing. So that's something we've started years ago. And it's been something our investors really love to participate into. A lot of them will actually invest or not invest, donate alongside us um, once we do close an asset. So that's always fun to see too. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and how can listeners can connect with you, Vina? Yeah. So you can find me on my website, vivefunds.com, V-I-V-E-F-U-N-D-S.com. Otherwise, I'm on social media under Vina Jetty, pretty much like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. I'm probably on there. Okay, cool, cool. And thank you, Vina. Thank you for sharing, you know, uh, your experiences and uh, operating assets and also how you're implementing AI into multifamily space and sharing your best and challenging experiences. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.